are being dismissed. We're going to go ahead and be in Luke chapter 4. So if you would, rest of us, find your place. Luke chapter number 4. And when you find that, we'll stand. And we'll start our reading in verse 31. The reason we stand, again, is because what we hold in our hand is the eternal, infallible word of the living God. And it deserves honor and glory. And so if you're able to stand, then that'd be a blessing. And we'll start our reading in verse number 31. The Bible says this, And came down to Capernaum. Now we're kind of in the middle of a thought right there. He was in Nazareth, and now he's come down to Capernaum. We'll explain that here in a little bit. A city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth in the power... I'm sorry, I'm sorry let's back up. For with authority and a power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Verse 38. And he rose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house, and entered his wife's mother. I'm sorry, I can't read today. And entered into Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. So he rebuked the demon, now he rebukes the fever. And it left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. And when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. There's a lot that happened in those six verses. I'm talking about every sick person in Capernaum came to Jesus, and he eradicated disease in Capernaum right there. Incredible. Verse 41. And the devils also came out of many, crying out, saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. The people sought him and came unto him and stayed him, that he should not depart from them. They didn't want him to leave. But then he says what, what our title is. And he said unto them, say those three words, I must preach. He must preach. That's what he was here to do. Preach what? The kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. So we're going to pray. And we'll get into our message. And the title is this. I must preach. Subtitle. I even put it on there for you. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's what Jesus did. He had a lot of things he did, but he kept the main thing the main thing. I must preach. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it affects our lives, even, Lord, thousands of years later, how it's going to be so relevant in our life today. I pray that you would help the declaration of your word. I pray that you would work in a mighty way and powerful way. Help me as I 
declare it. Help our hearts to be open, soft, ready to hear from you. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. And so it's been a couple weeks. Last week we took a little hiatus from, from our series. We were in Acts 2.42. But, so a couple weeks ago we found out that Jesus, here's what he has been doing. He's been preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Now, Galilee is a region. Galilee is not a city. It's a region of Israel. And there were a lot of cities in Galilee. And Jesus was going around preaching in the synagogues of Galilee, preaching the new message, declaring the gospel, declaring that the Messiah is here, declaring that he has come to to give sight to the blind, to save the lost, to preach the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's been doing that in the synagogues of Galilee. And last week we found out, or two weeks ago I guess, he was in the, in the synagogue of Nazareth. Now Nazareth is, as Luke 2 tells us, a city of Galilee. It's a small town. That's where Jesus was from. And in the synagogue of, of Nazareth, he preaches the word. And he, he tells them outright, I'm the Messiah. Remember that? He read the words of Messiah in Isaiah 61. And then he said, this day is this prophecy fulfilled in your ears. Isaiah said, the Messiah would say these words, and here I am in your ears saying these words. And he came out as the Messiah. But they weren't so happy about that. You remember that? They were pretty, well, here we go. He's coming. That's right. Look up here. So they weren't, they weren't so excited about that because here's why. Here's what they said. Let me tell you what they said first. They said, is this Jesus? The carpenter's son? The one we grew up with? How is he the Messiah? So they said they had an issue accepting that Jesus was the Messiah. They said they had an issue believing that he can say what he said he could do. And they wanted him to perform miracles, they thought. They thought, they thought that if he would perform miracles, they would accept him as Messiah. But Jesus helped them see identity. The problem was not accepting who he was. The problem was not accepting that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Savior. The first problem they had was admitting and accepting that they needed a Messiah. They needed a Savior. And all of us need a Savior, don't we? A Savior from what? A Savior from our sin. Well, what else? Well, here's the thing. If you save somebody, what are you doing? You're, you're, You're keeping them from entering into danger, right? You're preventing something dangerous happening to them. And so what's, what we're all facing as sinners because of our sin, God's wrath is real. God's wrath is real, and we all deserve the wrath of God. Why? Because of our sin. And so we need to be saved from the wrath of God. Well, what does that look like? Well, hell forever. There is an eternal hell. It does exist. It's real, and it's where our sins, listen, it's where our sins can be paid for if we were to pay for our sins. You see? We're under the judgment of God as sinners, and we all need a Savior. We're what Jesus talked about, the poor in spirit. We, the, the, the kids sang about it. We're poor in spirit. We have nothing to offer God. We're brokenhearted. We're weak, and we need a Savior. And you will never have your sins forgiven until you first realize you need a Savior. They weren't ready to do that in the synagogue of Nazareth. And so they got upset with Jesus, and they went to go kill him. Remember that? They brought him to the edge, brow of the hill, and they were going to throw him headlong. And he passed through them, and he kept preaching. And so then we get to our passage in verse 31 where he says, And he came to Capernaum, came down 
to Capernaum, the city of Galilee. And so why down? Well, because it was below sea level. Nazareth was up on a hill. Capernaum was below sea level. And so he literally went down to Capernaum. And he got there, and what he did is he preached on the Sabbath days. He taught them on the Sabbath day. So that indicates he was there for at least a couple weeks, right? Sabbath day being on Saturday. It said he preached on their Sabbath days. And so he was there for at least a, a, a couple weeks. It also reminds us, doesn't it, what Jesus was all about, what his mission was. His mission was to preach. His mission was to preach the gospel. His mission was, as it says, if you look back in verse 18, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus says, because he hath anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty to them that are bruised. And then it says again in verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What Jesus was doing was going around preaching the acceptable year of the Lord. He was telling us we are, we are sinful, we are under the condemnation of God, but Jesus came and he took our wrath. I hadn't yet in this, in this passage, but he is telling them, I'm the Savior that came. I'm the Lamb that, was, that will be slain. I'm what Isaiah 53 talked about, how that by my stripes you will be healed. And Jesus is saying, you can pay for your sin if you want to, but I have come to pay for your sin. Jesus was preaching the acceptable year of the Lord. And right now, if you, if you understand this, by faith, that your sins have separated you from God. You understand that you're a sinner and, and that your sin has caused that you deserve to go to hell forever, like all of us do. If you truly understand that, and you're, you deserve the wrath of God because of your sin, and you truly understand what the Messiah did by dying on the cross for your sin, that's why He came, that's why He died. If you understand that by faith, right now is the acceptable year of the Lord. Right now is the time that you can cry out to Him and ask for forgiveness because of what Jesus did. And Jesus was offering that. Synagogue to synagogue to synagogue. Helping the Jews see, I'm the one you've been waiting for. And so He did that for about a year and a half in the areas of Galilee, the synagogues of Galilee. Well then, as we go through the book of Luke, here's what you're going to see. That Jesus is going to, along the way, as we go through the book of Luke, perform miracles. He is going to heal people. He is going to cast out demons. He's going to perform other miracles. And right here in our passage is the first time that Luke introduces to us that part of Jesus' ministry. Okay? He's been showing us that Jesus preached the word. But now he's going to introduce us now to the miraculous ministry of Christ, to the healings, to the casting out of demons, to the miracles. Um, but, but Luke, as you know, is very thoughtful in, in which stories he tells and when he tells them, right? Because I think it was John who said, if we were to write down everything Jesus did and all of the wonders that he did, then we would fill up volumes of books. And so Luke had to decide which uh, stories, which accounts, not, now these are real stories, they are stories, but they're true stories, but which accounts of Christ am I going to tell? And today, what he's doing is, before he tells us all about these miracles that Jesus will perform over the next few chapters, what he's doing with this account is he's being very careful to point out that the reason, listen, the reason why 
Jesus did these miracles, the reason why Jesus healed anybody, the reason why Jesus cast out demons, it always did this. It always pointed back to his message. Okay? That's why Jesus performed the miracles. That's why Jesus healed people. Every time, you'll see it as we go through, every time that Jesus healed somebody, it was right after or right before he gave his message. Are you following? Yeah. And so we're going to look into that today. And we're going to look at, Luke is going to help us see that this morning. And so look in verse 32. No, 31. And he came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his what? His doctrine. Do you see how, how Luke is laying this foundation? They were astonished at his doctrine. For his what? His word was with power. And so as you see Jesus heal people, and as you see people cast out demons, and as you see people, as you see Jesus commanding the sea, and it's still, what we're always awed by and, and um, shocked by is the power of, of Jesus's word and that's what he wants us to see out of all of these things okay and so then we look at verse 33 and in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean de a devil he had a demon and cried out with a loud voice and then the Bible says he cried out this saying let us alone this is what the demon said what have we to do with thee thou Jesus Nazareth art thou come to destroy us I know who, the, who thou art. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And so there was a man, Jesus was in the synagogue again. Luke is being very careful to help us see in the synagogue, teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, preaching the acceptable year of the Lord, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while he's preaching, a man in the synagogue, he's full of a demon. No one knew it. I mean, they probably would have done something about that if they knew there was a demon in the synagogue. And can I tell you this, that demons usually like to be subtle. They are subtle. And they don't like to blow their cover. They don't like to do crazy, wacko things and freak people out. They usually like to be silent and subtle and deceptive. And he's in this man, and he's in, he's in the synagogue. But as Jesus is preaching the gospel, the power of the gospel, the demon couldn't handle it anymore. And the Bible says he cried out. And it's almost like it was involuntary, like he couldn't help it. And he cried out. Because demons are scared of the gospel. They're scared of the word of God. They don't like the gospel. And demons are real. You know, Satan wasn't always called Satan. Did you know that? Satan wasn't always called Satan. When God created Satan, God created him as an angel. An angel of light. In fact, the Bible says he's the most, the most beautiful of all the angels. He was, he was most likely the, the second most powerful being in the universe. God being the most powerful, Satan being... Satan would have been the most, uh, the most powerful created being in the universe. And probably, we don't know for sure, but probably his job in heaven was to lead the other angels in praising God in heaven. That was probably his job. We know that for a few, we think that for a few reasons he had uh, instruments as part of his body, and we're not going to get into all that. But what, here's the point, is that Satan was the, the most powerful created being and he was in charge of the worship of God. That's pretty important. He was a pretty important person. He was a pretty important angel. He was a pretty powerful angel. But that wasn't enough for, for Lucifer. Lucifer wasn't okay with being second best. Lucifer started to become proud. And he said, I'm going to be like God. 
I will ascend on the throne. I'm going to take over heaven. And Satan wanted to be God, not just worship God. He wanted to be the most powerful uh, being in the universe, not the most powerful created being in the universe. And he was proud. And the Bible says that he was cast out of heaven for that. And the Bible tells us in Revelation that when he was cast out, one-third of the angels followed Satan. One-third of the angels believed Satan, that he really was more powerful than God. One-third of the angels uh, thought that he was going to overcome God one day, and so they followed Satan out of heaven, and these are the demons. Demons are just angels who have, who have rejected God and followed Satan. Are you following? That's what a demon is. And they're real. They're very real. <clears throat> so normally, though, I told you, um, they, the demons don't like to be exposed. They like to stay hidden. Um, they hate God. Let's say that first. The demons hate God. Since they were cast out of, out of heaven, they hate God. And because they hate God, they hate you. And because, the, um, because God loves you, they hate you. And they, want to ca they, know, they know at this point that God is more powerful than Satan. They know that one day they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. That's why this demon was crying out what he was crying out. They know they've been defeated but they hate God, and they want to bring as many people with them as possible. That's their goal. They want to deceive man. And they're very subtle, just like Satan is. And they're very deceptive. And, and like I said, they don't like to, to come out and, and do creepy and crazy things. And, and, you know, Hollywood and, honestly, the Catholic Church and others have characterized them as little people with horns and imps and stuff. They don't do that. They don't want to freak people out. They mostly like to stay hidden. They like to work quietly and they spend most of their time covertly deceiving people and influencing them against God. That's what they're all about. And they don't normally like to expose themselves. In fact, the Bible tells us uh, uh, that we don't really know what they look like. Um, like angels, they're spirit beings, right? They're spirit beings that you normally can't see. But even if they did take physical form, what they would do most of the time is they would... Like they would probably come looking more inviting than they would scary, right? They wouldn't look like like the horror movies point them say they are. They would come inviting, not scary. Second uh, Corinthians eleven fourteen says, "And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed as an in an, to an angel of light." And Satan and the demons they like to present themselves in an inviting way, not a creepy way. You see. And so they don't usually do that. But when Jesus was preaching the gospel, it was more than that demon could handle. It was a loud voice. He cried out. And like I said, it was almost as if it was involuntary. The demon was so scared of the gospel and of the preaching of Jesus. He was, he was so scared that Jesus was coming into his territory and, and was about to save some souls from the domain dominion of darkness that he cried out and he blew his cover. And he said, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou son of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And so the demons, they know who Jesus is. They're not, they're not confused. They know that Jesus is God. They know that Jesus is the Messiah. They know what Jesus is going to do one day. They can read the book of Revelation just like we can. They know their fate. And when they saw Jesus, they thought he was coming to judge them. And so that he was scared. Not only was he scared, but he was angry. Why? Because 
Jesus was preaching the gospel, and they hate the gospel. They hate it when men hear that they can be saved from their sin. They hate it whenever men can be transformed from the kingdom of darkness, which is their domain, to the kingdom of light. They hate that. And here's what verse 35 says. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when Jesus commanded the demon, he had no choice but to obey the voice of Christ. And they hate God, but they also know they don't stand a chance against God. And so the demon reluctantly obeyed Jesus, and the Bible says that he didn't even hurt the man when he came out. But here's the point that Luke wants to explain out of all of this. In verse 36, And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this! For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. So they were amazed at what? At Jesus' word. And his fame went throughout all the, re- all the region. And so that was Sabbath day in the morning. So here's what Luke is doing. He's giving us an entire day of Jesus' ministry here in Capernaum. And so the day starts on the Sabbath day right there in the synagogue, and they have their synagogue service. Well, after that, verse 38, and he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And so now synagogue is over, the preaching is over, all of that's done. And after a synagogue service was over, Jesus went to Simon's house. And why did he do that? Well, most likely for a meal. Amen? Because synagogue in that time would normally end around noon. Why noon? Well, because lunchtime, right? And so after synagogue, here's what would normally happen. They would go home, and their families, there would usually be a few families would get together, and they would have a really big meal together. This was a tradition of the time right after synagogue. And so even back then, God's people were looking forward to a good lunch after they heard the word of God. Amen? And so some things just never change. Hopefully they weren't so excited about lunch that they weren't hearing the message. Right? The demon was paying attention to the message. I hope everybody else was because they all were looking forward to that lunch afterwards. And so apparently, they were planning to have that lunch at Simon's house. Now, we find out later in Luke, at this point, he hadn't even told us who Simon was, but we, all, we find out later Simon is Peter, right? Simon's the apostle Peter before he was uh, truly called to be the apostle and before his name was changed. But anyway, they go to Simon's house. And when they get to Simon's house... We find out in verse 38, at the end, well, halfway through, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. So that helps us know that Simon was married. Um, I don't want to get into this too much, but the first pope had a wife, which is not a good, anyway, so we're not going to get into that. He wasn't the first pope, no popes, but anyway, it's kind of hilarious. But anyways, but Peter, Peter had a, had a wife, and Peter's wife's mom was sick, very sick. The Bible said he had a fever. And, and Luke, by the way, was a physician, and Luke described it as a great fever. And so this was a fever that wasn't just, you know, uh, normal sickness. This would have been a very serious situation. Most likely this would have been some kind of serious, life-threatening infection that caused this great fever. And we know it was a great and, and a serious situation because they besought him. That's what the Bible says. Uh, if you look in uh, verse... 38 at the end, and they besought him. Besought there means to beg. They're like, Jesus, we really need you. We really need you to come look at Simon, uh, Simon's mother-in-law. She's very sick. 
they're begging for Jesus' help. And so in verse 39, he, he stood over her. Now this is very interesting, and this is kind of abnormal as you read about healing uh, miracles. Normally, these words aren't used. But again, but again, Luke is proving a point with, this, with these verses. And Luke says this, And he rebuked the fever. Jesus rebuked the fever. Normally the Bible just says he healed them, he healed them. But when he healed them, he healed them how? Through the power of his word. He rebuked the, the demon with his word. He rebuked the fever with his word, and the fever left. And so Luke was stressing the power of the word of God. And then the rest of verse 39 says, and immediately, here's what happened, immediately she arose and ministered unto them. And so Jesus rebuked the fever, and she was immediately and fully healed. This is not a process. It wasn't like she started to turn a corner when Jesus showed up. No, he, he rebuked the fever. The fever left. She was on her deathbed. She was going to die. And Jesus rebuked the fever, and immediately she gets up and has that full strength. You see? That's a miracle. Jesus did that. There was no recovery, period. She wasn't even weak. She got out, and what was she ministering? Well, she was getting that big old meal together. And if any ladies have had a lot of families over, that's a lot of work. Amen? And so she got up and immediately started serving and ministering to them. And so Jesus showed that his word had authority over sickness. So his word had authority over the demonic realm. His word had authority over sickness. And then the sun was setting. Look in verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, it's all the same day, right? In the synagogue, they had meal. Meal's over, sun's setting. All they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. Now why did they wait so long? Well, because it was Sabbath day, right? And so when the sun sets, Sabbath day is over, and they're allowed to do a lot more. And so they start, word had spread between lunch and then. Word had spread between tabernacle, a synagogue and then. And so people had heard that Jesus had power. Jesus' word had power. He had authority over the demons. He had authority over sickness. And then the Bible says in verse 40 that, that it had any sick with device, all they that had any sick, every sick person in Capernaum showed up at Simon's house. It's a lot of house guests, and they're all sick. And so what the Bible says is that Jesus healed all of them. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. You see? He healed every one of them. But not only did he heal every one of them, he also cast out demons. Look in verse 41. And the devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And so, throughout this day, he heals and he eradicates disease in all of Capernaum. He casts out every demon that was, that was in the hearts of these people. And then it was time to go. Now remember, what's all this wrapped around? This is wrapped around his teaching in the synagogue, isn't it? Here's what happened. Jesus taught. They heard his message. You remember in Nazareth, when they struggled to accept this message? Well, he gave us the message, and he does these miracles, and now people are probably starting to understand that this guy is actually from God, and his message is real, you see? And so that's what's going on here, and he heals all these people, and he casts out all of these demons. In verse 42, 
it was time to go. Verse 42, and when he, it was day, so the next morning, he departed and went to a desert place. And the people sought him and came to him and stayed him that he should depart, not depart from them. And so they were like, Jesus, don't leave. Well, yeah, he just eradicated disease. They just saw him uh, help the entire city. They wanted, them to, they wanted Jesus to stay with him for a long time. And Luke doesn't say anything about the people repenting, does it? Nowhere in here does it say they repented. You don't have to, anyway, we'll get to that later. But they, they weren't repenting or, or accepting him as Messiah necessarily. Here's what they wanted. They just wanted Jesus to stay with them because he helped them. He fixed a lot of their problems, you see? But they didn't understand his mission. They wanted him to stay, but they didn't understand his mission. He effectively eradicated disease in Capernaum, so of course they wanted him to stay, and they were excited about what he did for them, but they didn't truly understand why he came. Are you following? And you know, Jesus never rebuked them for being interested and excited about the miracles. I mean, that's kind of the point. That's why Jesus did them, so people would understand who he was. He never rebukes them for being interested in the miracles. But here's what Jesus did do. He clarified what he was really there to do. Look at verse 43. He said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. He says, I'm not here to stay here forever and heal all, heal all your diseases and to fix all your problems. That's not why I came. I came here to preach the message of the gospel of Christ. And so Jesus showed that he had power over demons and power over disease, but everything he did pointed back to what he was really there for, and that is to preach the kingdom of God. Now, why, why disease and why demons? Have you ever thought of that? Why, did he, why, why so much emphasis on, on disease and why so much emphasis on demons? Well, because both of those realms are the result of sin, aren't they? The result of the effects of sin. Demons are because of sin, right? They, they exist because they sinned against God and were cast down. And what do demons do? They go around and they, and they do their best to keep humanity in, in the realm of sin and in the domain of darkness. And so they, they're, the, they're kind of the authority over the world of sin. And disease, disease exists because of sin, right? When God created Adam and Eve, they were, it was, everything was perfect. There was no disease, there was no problems. But, but then Adam sinned and, and Eve sinned and the entire universe was cursed. You see? Now, we don't get sick because we sin. Be careful about that, necessarily, right? But we are, si we are sick because of the sin in the world. And so sin is the effect. No, disease and illness is the effect of sin. And Jesus coming and healing people, here's what he was showing, that he had authority over the effects of sin. He can reverse the power of sin. He had authority over the, dom the domain of sin, the demons. And he had authority over the the effects of sin. And he was showing that outwardly, and it was an outward show, to show really what he was about, which was really overcoming the power of sin in your soul. You see? Jesus had power to free minds from the demonic kingdom. Jesus had power to free bodies from sickness and disease. But what Jesus was most concerned about was the forgiving sin not just the effects of sin. Jesus was most concerned about forgiving sin, not just fixing the problems that come because of sin. Are you following me? 
He was preaching the kingdom of God. He was primarily interested in preaching the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus healed someone or when he cast out a demon, it was always pointed back to his message, which is the kingdom of God. Every time he healed someone or he cast out a demon, he always pointed it back to the fact that his message was from God. Why? Because he was giving new revelation. So for 400 years, for 400 years, there was nothing, there was no words from God. There was no message from God. Malachi was the last prophet, and for 400 years there was total silence. There was no more prophets, there was no more miracles, there was no more activity from God. There was 400 years of silence. But that didn't mean that there wasn't anyone who was saying that they had a word from God. That didn't mean that there weren't a lot of people saying they were a prophet and offering new revelation. But Jesus came to offer new revelation. And so... When he did that, people were automatically skeptical. Like, are you sure? Is this really a word from God? And so what he did was perform these miracles to show that what he was saying was truly the word of God. Yeah. That's why he did the healings. That's why he did the miracles. Now, Jesus did love them, right? Jesus did love people, but he didn't heal them just because he loved them. He healed them to show the power of his word and the legitimacy of his message. And by the way, the healings that we see during Jesus' time, they don't happen anymore. I want to help you see that. The healings that Jesus performed in his day, those kind of healings, those don't happen anymore. Now, yes, God is still the great physician, isn't he? And he's still the great healer. And God is still more powerful than disease. And if there's healing that's going to come, it is still going to come from God. He's the great healer, the great physician. But it just simply wasn't the same as during Jesus' time. Because when Jesus healed somebody, it was always, every time, immediate, and it was always very obvious, right? When he healed somebody, it was immediate and very obvious. Again, because he wanted to show, he wanted to show outwardly to the people that he had authority. His message had authority. And what he was saying was from God. You, you don't see people on their deathbed anymore, and then somebody coming to their bed, laying their hands on them, and then they're immediately up and totally healed. Like no recovery period, nothing. When Jesus healed somebody, it was, in that time, it was immediate and full. That does not happen anymore. You don't see people who have been crippled since birth, laying on the bed, you know, 30 years old, had never walked, and then just immediately get up and start walking around. You see? That does not happen anymore. You don't see people who have been blind since birth immediately receive their sight, as if they've never been blind. You don't, and by the way, you don't see people being brought back from the dead anymore either, do you? Right? And so these things all happened specifically during Jesus' time and specifically during the time of the apostles. Why? To prove that their message was from God. You see? To prove that their message was from God. Now again, Jesus does perform miracles still, doesn't he? He does perform miracles. And the power of prayer still works. And God, we've seen, we've seen in our church, God do some amazing things in people's bodies. And we've seen that as, as we've prayed for people in our church, that the doctors have been confounded, haven't we? That's pretty awesome. But do you see the difference between what Jesus did and what happens today? It's different. I just, you just have to, there are people out there who do healing, healing revivals, and, and they, they'll, fill, they'll fill stadiums, and people sadly will bring their sick, thinking everything's going to be better for their, 
for their sick relative, and they'll show up and, and they'll, they'll perform some, some performance, and it's a show. It's all fake and phony. And then they'll, they'll get like a guy who, who's here, probably staged with, a, with a, a crutches, and they'll say, all right, get your crutches and throw them and get around and run around, and they'll run around the aisles. And then people believe that because they, that happened, they can go to this crusade and their families can be healed and, and dead people can be made, taken back to life. Benny Hinn was one of the biggest ones like that. There was a time where Benny Hinn said, all right, on, he's a TV evangelist, a TV healer. He said, I want you, if, you're, if you have a family member who just died, I want you to pick him up and I want you to put his hands over the TV. And if you do that, he'll come back to life by the word of God. And people were doing that. Can you imagine the sick, twisted pain and, and emotions that were happening inside these people? And then they'd have the goal to say, if they weren't healed, it's because you didn't have faith. No, that is not how it works. And by the way, if there were people who can just lay their hands on people, throw spiritual bio, uh, fireballs, and heal people, why aren't they in the hospitals? That's essentially what Jesus did, isn't it? Jesus showed up, and the sick people showed up, and he healed all of them. Not two or three. By the way, not the ones who had faith. No, no, no one on here. No, now, some, some were made whole because of their faith. We're going to see, but they were made whole more than, more than their bodies being made whole. We're going to see that. They were made whole spiritually, and they were made whole eternally. But there were a lot of people who got saved. There, there's no evidence that they repented. You see? Jesus was just showing that he had authority. He was God. And you can believe his word. And he is the Messiah that they were promised. Are you following? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so if we're not going to have healing services at Valley Avenue Baptist Church, well then why do we have this passage at all? Well, like I said, we, we can't heal people the way Jesus did. But here's what we can do. Is we can serve people. And we can love people. And we can have compassion on people. Listen, we can have compassion on people who are struggling with the effects of sin. Isn't that what Jesus did? He had compassion on people who were struggling with the effects of sin. When people in our community are struggling, when people in our community are in need of help, part of loving them is helping them, isn't it? That's what we can do. We need to serve our community. We need to help the fatherless. We need to help the widows. And so, yes, let's serve people. But let's keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus healed people. Jesus cast out demons. Why? So that they would believe his message. Are you following? So they would understand the authority of his message. As he preached, what did he preach? The gospel of the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? Well, that's the kingdom that we're looking forward to. That's the life that we're looking forward to. This is the eternal life. And, and he, he did help with the temporary life, but he was most concerned with the eternal life. Jesus helped people with the outward effects of sin. He helped them with their disease. That's ultimately caused by sin. He cast out demons who were, who were there because of sin. But he was primarily concerned with the inward effects of sin. Are you following? Jesus was compassionate. He, he was compassionate about how sin was affecting their lives on this earth. He cared about people that way. But he was primarily concerned and focused on how sin was affecting their eternal life. 
you see? And we need to have compassion on people, and we need to help them as they face the effects of sin in their life, and as they struggle through their problems of life. We need to serve people that way, but we need to focus mostly on how sin is affecting their eternity. We can, we can feed people, we can help people, we can serve people, we can do chores for people, we can do all these things for people, but if they don't hear the gospel of, of Christ, and if they, if they have a comfy life because we've helped them so much, but then they die in their sin, we haven't helped them at all, you see. Are you following? We need to be concerned primarily, as Valley Avenue Baptist Church, with the gospel of Christ, with the, with the effect that sin is going to have on their eternity. We must preach the kingdom of God. And sadly, most of Christianity today is putting their focus in the wrong place. Listen, the crowd, the crowd wanted Jesus to stay. The crowd wanted Jesus to keep helping them. They were getting so excited about how Jesus would, can fix their problems, they were, but they were not interested in solving their sin problem, you see. And we need to meet the, the needs of people. We need to help the fatherless. We need to help the poor. We need to help those who deal with the struggles of living. We need to serve people. We need to serve our community. But that cannot, listen, that cannot become the main thing. It cannot become the main thing. I've even heard people say things like this. Well, you know, Jesus, he wasn't really concerned with all this doctrine and stuff. He wasn't really He didn't really care what you believed. All Jesus cared about was meeting the needs of people. He just served people, period. And I've heard things like that. And I'm sorry, but it's just the opposite of the truth. He actually, he actually cared a lot about what people believed. It was the crowd who pointed out all that Jesus did. It was the crowd who pointed out how Jesus served and helped. But Jesus has said this, I must preach the kingdom of God. That was the main thing that he came to do, to preach the kingdom of God. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. Well, who's the lost? And why do they need to be saved? The lost are those who are still in their sin. The lost are all of us when we're born. All of us are born separated from God. All of us are lost in the fact that we're separate from our Creator. And all of us need to be saved. Why? Because, because of our lost condition, because of our sin, there is an eternity awaiting. Eternity is real. Hell is real. And because of our sin, we deserve hell. And Jesus came to this earth to save us from our sin, to forgive man of their sin. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever what? Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came to die for you so that your sins can be forgiven so that you will not perish. Well, what's perish? That's hell. That's the lake of fire. That's the judgment of God. God does not want you to face his judgment, and so that's why he sent his son, not just to heal everybody, not just to make everybody feel better, not just to fix everybody's problems, but to fix their main problem, which is their sins needed to be forgiven, to fix their main problem, which is perishing in an eternal lake of fire. Jesus came to die for your sin. But just because he died doesn't mean you're saved. Right? Just, because you're, just because Jesus died for your sin doesn't mean your sins are forgiven. Because Jesus said this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And so you have to believe the message that Jesus was preaching. Jesus was very concerned with doctrine, wasn't he? He was very concerned with the teachings of the Word of God. And the main thing for Jesus was his message. He helped people with their problems of living so that they would be more apt to hear the message. You remember when he fed the 5,000? You know what he was doing? You know why they were there and why they were hungry? Because they had just been listening to his word all day. And they hadn't left. And Jesus had two options. He could send them home to eat, or he can feed them and keep preaching. That's what he did. He sat them down and he fed them and he kept preaching. And then they went home. You know what happened the next morning? They found him. And they're like, where's breakfast? Basically. We're, we heard you, you fed us yesterday. Are you going to feed us today? And Jesus didn't feed him. He said, no, what you need is to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they were like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and they were not interested. Listen, if they were truly interested in who Jesus was and truly understood their problem, if we read that passage, it's not as confusing as what it sounds. But if all you care about is having your, your life fixed and your problems better, then the gospel doesn't make a lot of sense, you see. And they all left. Yeah. Because they were not interested in this message. They were only interested in having their problems fixed. And what Jesus cared about was teaching and preaching the kingdom of heaven, the doctrine of Christ. And so here at Valley Avenue Baptist Church, we're going to keep the main thing the main thing. We're going to keep preaching the word of God. We're going to keep preaching the lost of the gospel. Now, now part of reaching the lost is, listen, part of reaching the lost is investing in the lost and serving them. Part of it is that. But the purpose even of doing that is so that we can give them the gospel. You see? Part of preaching the word is serving people, serving our community, serving others. But let's keep the main thing the main thing. We are not, listen, we are not serving people just because it's nice. Right? We're not just trying to be good citizens. Um, our church doesn't, listen, there's a, there's, a there's a misconception in our day about what churches are for. And, and the community thinks, and society kind of has relegated churches to this. Churches are here to make our community better. Right? It's here, the churches are here to, to, to invest in the community and help people and make our community better and help our citizens to be better citizens. No, that is not why we're here. Now, do we help people? Yes. The Bible commands us to help people. Do we help the poor where we can? Yes, we do. Do we help people in the community? Do we serve our community? Yes. Why, though? Because the main thing is we want to get them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, there's a danger. There's a danger. If you're only here to serve the community and help them out, and, and you just want to make everybody happy in the community, there's a danger that you'll just get rid of the message because the message kind of makes people mad. The message kind of gets people upset. The message kind of divides the community in some ways because why, why is your church, why is your church preach that you can go to heaven this way and that church says you can go to heaven that way? Maybe there's more than one way to be saved. Maybe we should all just, maybe all the churches should just get together and help the community. No, sir, because what we're here to do is preach the narrow way, the word of God, and keep the main thing the main thing. And we can, and we can produce good citizens of Falls City, Nebraska, 
and then they'll die in their sin. And we've done no good. You see? What we're primarily concerned about are the souls of men. And we serve them, and we help them. But all the while, here's what we're wanting to do. We must preach. We need to help them see. As we meet, listen, here's how it works. As you truly love people the way that God says and the Bible says to love people, you truly selflessly, listen, selflessly serve people, not expecting anything back, they're going to see that, and they're going to be impressed. Why? Because that's godly love. Loving people with no strings attached. That's the love of God. And they're going to be impressed by that. That's kind of what Jesus did, right? He, 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 nobody else can heal. Nobody else can cast out demons. And listen, nobody else can love people like Christians can. But that's not the goal. The goal is eventually... After we, after, listen, after we help them with their problems of living and this life, and we love on people and help them with the problems that they have in this life, we need to address the problem they have in the next life. You see? We need to make sure that we keep the main thing. The main thing. If you're here tonight, no, this morning. If you're here this morning and uh, your sins have not been forgiven, if you're here this morning because you have friends here that loved you and invited you, maybe you have friends here that have invested in your life and they're really nice to you and I'm thankful for all of that and I'm thankful that they were able to be a blessing to you and help you that way, but if you're here tonight, no, this morning, <laughs> and, and your sins have never been forgiven, if you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins because of what Jesus did on the cross, then here's what I want you to know. You have a need that you maybe aren't aware of, but it's your greatest need. And if you were to die today without your sins forgiven, then you would wake up in the lake of fire in hell forever. And that's, that's your greatest need. And that's what, we, that's what we're so concerned and primarily concerned about, that your sins can be forgiven, that you can be made right with your Creator, and that you can live eternal life with Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting if you'd like to know more about that, I'd love to meet with you up here and tell you how you could have your sins forgiven. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for your son, for Jesus Christ who came. And that he came to seek and to save the lost. And even as he commanded us, he said, even so send I you. And he wants us to have a burden. Help us to have a burden for the lost. Help us to have a burden for the needs of people. Help us, Lord, to serve and help people and have a burden that way. And help us, most of all, to have a burden for the souls of men. I pray that you'd help our church that way. And Lord, if there, again, if there's one here that doesn't know you, if there's one here that hasn't had their sins forgiven, and Lord, if they were to die today, the effects of their sin would separate you forever. I pray that you would work in their heart, that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction. Lord, we love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Stand together.